Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso and Evan Knowles here this week. We're talking Amazon. Everything about the company. Obviously, you know that they sell stuff online. Obviously, you know that they own Whole Foods, but they own a lot more and they are involved in so much of your life. So the question that we're asking, are they too big to fail? Let's do it. Welcome back to the Metal Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Antetomaso in Chicago, Illinois, and as always, joined by Evan Knowles down in Lexington, Kentucky. How you doing, my man? Doing well. It's been a long week, awesome yeah. weekend, so I'm just chilling in my uh, my apartment eating some bark thins. I got bark Whole, Whole Foods. You ever had those? Uh, I have. I got them at Costco, not Whole Foods, but I like how you're working in our uh, our subject for the day. Whole Foods owned by Amazon. Yeah. Did you uh, did you put your Alexa on mute? I did. <laughs> Just throw in all the all the business lines right off the top. <laughs> I didn't like Bark Thins though. Before we talk about Amazon, I did not like them. They were just bland, and I felt like I was just eating like unflavored, like crappy chocolate. You don't like dark chocolate then? I do like dark chocolate. I love. I just had dark chocolate before we started recording, like the Hershey's thing. I think these are amazing. I got the uh, almond and coconut bark thins. We uh, maybe we should re- who makes bark thins. We should reach out and you can uh, you can do a sponsorship read. Try to get a sponsorship. Yeah. Um, do a do a quick uh, do a quick like ten second ad. Let's see what you can do. Ripple Ripple Brand Collective okay. manufactures bark okay. thins. Okay. Ripple Brand Collective has contacted Evan Knowles. To do a quick read for Bark Thins on the Middle Tech podcast as a sponsorship. So go ahead. Wow. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> you know, this seems like just a healthy snack. Great ingredients. You, you're really selling them. Uh, yeah, that's about as good as I can go right there. Healthy, tasty. That's about it. But you said you got the bark thins at Whole Foods, and I like your little little plug there off the top. We're going to talk about Amazon today. Yeah, I had a couple experiences this past week where I was using an Amazon product. So I was in Whole Foods, mm-hmm. and I was using my Alexa, and then I was driving home today from Louisville, and a Prime truck drove by, and I just started thinking about Amazon and how big they are, and I, I thought we should do an overview. Uh, of them on the podcast because people really don't understand how big they are. You, you just don't really think about all the different aspects of that company. Mm-hmm. You just mainly think about maybe Alexa or um, you know Amazon.com where you buy all your stuff. Yeah, but there's so much more than that, and most people don't even know that their big cash cow is Amazon Web Services. So I just thought we should you know dive into uh, Amazon. Uh, on this episode and just kind of give an overview and, and walk people through what makes this the most valuable company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make the statement that uh, a lot of people say every company is going to fail eventually, which the m- m- vast majority of them do. Jeff Bezos has even said that one day Amazon will fail. 
Yeah. But I want, I want to make the statement and the claim that I don't think Amazon will ever not be the world's biggest company. I think from this point on, there will be nobody that ever eclipses Amazon. So you think for the foreseeable future, like for for a long, long time, like a hundred years or something, Amazon will be on top for that. Yes. That whole problem. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge statement. I yeah, it is. It's a crazy statement. I could very well be wrong. I'm probably gonna be wrong, but I do think <laughs> that they have too many essential like bedrock like products that people yeah. use in their every day, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. that there's no stopping them. And they've got too big of a market share in, in all of them that I don't think, that, I can't see what would happen to make them go away. Yeah. I think what you said earlier about, you know, people interact with Amazon a lot and they're in a bunch of different industries and, and maybe people know or don't know, but they they don't realize it. I think that's so true even like, like I, I think I, I know a little bit more about Amazon than the average person just from being into technology. You probably know a little bit more even than I do. But I know about Amazon Web Services. I obviously know they own Whole Foods. I know about e-commerce, obviously. I go to the Amazon Go store here in Chicago. Um, and even though I know and I, I think logically, like, oh, this is all Amazon, it's hard to to put those together and, and to realize that you're interacting at the end of the day with with the same company and the same group of executives and board of directors and, and shareholders are, are benefiting from, from everything I'm doing probably throughout the entire day, every day, if you include websites hosted on, on web services. Yeah. And they all tie into each other too. Like all mm-hmm. of them, they all feed each other. Yeah. So, well, let, let's jump into it since we're yeah. kind of talking about specifics. Yeah. Um, and the name Amazon is like perfect for that company. Yeah. So the name Amazon just is exactly what it sounds like. He wanted to build this company that is like the Nile River for Africa. It just feeds everything. You know, without the Nile River, who knows? The Amazon River? Africa. No, the Nile. Well, the name comes from the Amazon River. Hold on. <laughs> I'm mixing it up with something else. You're mixing. Amazon you just River said in Nile. Africa? No, Amazon's in South America. You just said Nile instead of the Amazon River. Oh, you're, you're right, though. That's a, that's a true story. Yeah, okay, I mixed them up. Not Africa, <laughs> South America. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Let me look up the Nile River. Why did I use the Nile River? The Nile River is in... <laughs> I was talking about the name of them, and I said the Nile River. <laughs> the Nile is uh, the longest. The Amazon is... It has the most, like, tributaries or something, like the different branches. Amazon River is the largest river Yeah. by, by water volume. Yeah, I remember I read some article that was saying, like, you know, the his first couple employees or something, when they were saying, when we launch, we should be called, like, online library or, or online bookstore. Like, some, you know, late 90s, like, very to-the-point website name, because that's what everything was, and they just sold books online back then. And he was like, no, we need to be Amazon, because the Amazon River is a web, and it, it's plugged into so many different things, and it does everything. We're going to yeah. do everything, so we need to be Amazon. Yeah, he definitely had that bigger vision and perfect name for you know, the company. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, so they started as an online bookstore yeah. in Washington State near, uh, near Seattle. And the crazy thing that I was reading as I was doing some research on how it started was one of the first big investments he got was from his parents. 
to, mm-hmm. to start this company and grow it from a bookstore to something more. And, you know, they're, they're going to be worth, they're just, they hit a trillion, they hit a trillion dollars. And so that initial investment his parents made is rumored to be about $30 billion <laughs> in today's money. From investing some money in their son's company. Yeah. And you it's know, funny because he said that, you know, he wanted to take this investment, but he didn't want to let his parents down because he didn't want to come home with Thanksgiving uh, and have them, you know, be mad. Yeah. But it, I can't even imagine what that would be like now to make your parents worth $30 billion in the top, yeah. you know, top 50 richest people in the world. Yeah, that's insane. Jeff Bezos is, which I don't even know if we've said his name. I think <laughs> we just assumed everyone knew uh, him and Jeff. Uh, but he's like one of these these big entrepreneurs that I feel like I know the least about. Um, and I, I think that's by design up until recently. He's he's tried to stay out of the spotlight. But I don't know what he did before he started Amazon, what his parents did or, or anything like that. Yeah, he's definitely done a really good job of uh, keeping a low profile. Mm-hmm. I think he, uh, yeah, you're right. He does that by design. He doesn't want to be one of those entrepreneurs that's constantly in the news. Because he's yeah. he's an operations guy, he just wants to work behind the scenes and make make stuff happen. Yeah, that has changed recently with the the divorce and the the affair and all that stuff that's come out. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I mean, he was never never should have gotten in that situation, but yeah, that's but a, that could be a whole other episode, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, so that investment uh, is considered one of the most successful investments of all time, mm-hmm. which. You know, it's just such a great story. So that's just kind of some background on, you know, the company starting. I uh, started as a bookstore, eventually became much more online e-commerce. is definitely uh, the core of the company. Mm-hmm. But like like we said, you know, earlier, there's there's so many companies within Amazon that people just don't know about. There's about 40 subsidiaries uh, that deal with everything from consumer electronics, smart homes, logistics, grocery stores, of course, e-commerce, cloud, entertainment, robotics. And all of these companies are acquired and built, you know, to feed uh, this entire big machine, you know, to feed, uh, to use the name, the Amazon. You know, all these subsidiaries feed into the Amazon. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, like a tributary in the, the Amazon River. Yeah. Um, one thing that you, you said that they feed into each other, and I think um, a good way to illustrate that is to look at one of their first big acquisitions, which was Audible, um, you know, Amazon started as a as a bookstore, and they were selling books online. Well, people started to listen to audiobooks, and so a natural progression of something to sell beyond a book is an audiobook. So they decided to purchase Audible, which was an audiobook selling platform, and then they integrated it directly into their e-commerce store. And so now they could offer audiobooks, and they they had a bigger catalog, a bigger category, and then they just continued with that business model of strategically acquiring things that slowly became a little bit more tangentially related to now feed into the whole Amazon River. Yeah, and then what they do is they 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 go upstream and they acquire the whole supply chain of uh, of that industry or of that product, whatever they're building. They try to acquire the entire supply chain and so uh to illustrate that you know what they did was they acquired uh they 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 have this this company called uh create space i'm not sure if they actually acquired it i think it's just a subsidiary that they built um but it just allows people to be independent 
content creators and self-publish their their books so people no longer have to go to uh, publishing houses or uh, editors they can create their own content and their own books and just release it right on the kindle or on audible or on on amazon.com mm -hmm. i think one of the things that you know, obviously, like hardcore supply chain and like business logistics, people are thinking about with the Whole Foods acquisition is the fact that they have um, physical space. They have warehouse space now all over the country, sizable warehouse space. In addition to their their giant, you know, shipping warehouses, they now have like they just have smaller but really spread out strategic spaces with Whole Foods, and I think having that physical space and, and being able to once again take their their selling platform into a new area and having a strategic acquisition to do that is going to be huge for them. And I think to to kind of move into your, your greater argument of they're going to be around forever, I think it's these strategic acquisitions and it's these continu this continual looking forward and, and doing the next thing and making the next acquisition, taking the next strategy step. Um, to create more efficiencies and create um, a better play in the long run is just going to continue to to keep them on top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, another way to look at it is like a tree. You know, it's growing its roots deeper and deeper and wider <laughs> to where you're not just going to knock it over. It's just, <laughs> I like that metaphor. It, it's not going to stop. And they just keep going deeper because like Whole Foods – the brick and mortar play is huge for them. Like you were mentioning, it's it's essentially more warehouse space on a smaller level, closer to where people live. Yeah, and so that's how they're going to do one hour deliveries, and that's how they're going to deliver groceries to people's homes. Mm -hmm. um, people, you know, people, they're not going to stop buying food. Yeah, that's true. So I think obviously there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of attention to that that brick and mortar selling with Whole Foods and then Amazon Go. For those who aren't aware, Amazon Go is a store. It's just in major cities right now. It's basically like a convenience store. Um, you know, it, it's got some some drinks and snacks and pre-made meals and gum and candy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you walk in, you scan. There's an Amazon Go app. You scan your your QR code. And you just walk around and you grab whatever you want and you walk out of there. Um, it, tra it tracks you, of course. They're, they're getting data. Um, it tracks your movements. It tracks the weight on the shelves. It tracks uh, heat signatures. And there's just cameras and sensors everywhere. So you don't need to check out because it knows that it's you and it knows what you pick up and what you, what you walk out with. Um, so in addition to the Whole Foods being the, the supermarkets, they have now this convenience store model that they're able to put into anywhere in a city you know they just find a little space and they can put the sensors in now they have a, a small street store in a city um they've done that with uh with trending products on their e-commerce site um they've done they have amazon bookstores and amazon lockers um to have smaller format stores in cities as well um so they're really aggressively going after any type of, of brick and mortar footprint um which even though they're a huge e-commerce uh, e-commerce store and what's the the forecast is that they'll have 50% of e-commerce market share in a few years which is insane even though that's the case having that physical footprint I think for for some branding reason just just makes them seem so much more legit yeah I mean people are not going to stop going to the grocery store mm -hmm. or going to the convenience store like they're always going to be doing that stuff so they need that footprint um, but it all feeds into, you know, their whole logistics and supply chain as well. And it's all data driven. 
the entire thing's probably very automated at this point. Yep. Take the For data sure. that they see, uh, you know, from you interacting with the internet, interacting with Amazon, uh, and then obviously they're getting third-party data from places like Facebook and Google. So they're just yeah. feeding this big engine, and and you know we've been talking about the brick and mortar piece, but the logistics on the back end of the brick and mortar piece uh, is also something that they've been building out and acquiring and going up the stream. You know they just keep acquiring companies and they're building their own uh, airplane fleet, their own yeah. truck fleet. And then the warehousing. One of the things that's crazy about the warehouses that I've been reading about is they bought a company called Kiva Systems, yeah. K-I-V-A, and it's an automated, uh, so it's a robotics company. And what they're doing is they're automating their warehousing and their product picking process. And so they have about 45,000 of these robots that just roll around in the warehouses and grab whatever somebody's ordering and then puts it in a truck. It goes on a conveyor belt, people pick it up, confirm that it's the right object, and then it goes into a truck. And so when the time somebody clicks, so they're tracking what you do on the internet. Mm-hmm. They're suggesting you these items. Yep. You buy the items, and a robot goes and grabs it. It goes into a truck, gets brought to you. One, soon those trucks will be autonomous. And it just comes to your front door, probably yeah. within a day. I mean, yeah, that is in just, major cities you can do two-hour delivery. Yeah. So when you think about them buying like the whole supply chain, that's why they're doing it. Because the more the supply chain they own, the more of the brick and mortar they own, the much more automated they can make it, which makes the experience better for the customer. Yeah. So I want to bring up something with that. The the vertical integration is, is what it's called, purchasing up and down the supply chain. Um, with these kind of tech products, usually – integration is is good for the consumer so the fact that all of that exists is better for me because i can get on my amazon app it'll tell me what the best choice for what i want is and it'll be at my door in two hours that's great um the classic example of a completely vertically integrated company is standard oil way back in the day um and that was obviously broken up it, it was a monopoly it was found to be a monopoly by the government they broke it up um and that's what started our, our modern antitrust laws. That's a huge over, oversimplification of history, but that's basically what happened. So there's been a lot of talk recently, especially over the last couple months, um, of breaking up big tech companies and, and of potential monopolies that these companies are. And does our, does our definition of monopoly even apply anymore? And should it apply? Um, Elizabeth Warren, who is a presidential candidate right now, says that we should break up all these tech companies and you can't own a platform and a supply chain and sell stuff um, on that same platform and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, Amazon is a perfect example of what she's describing in that instance. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's But if it's good for the consumer, is it bad overall? It, it's pushing out competition, but it's better for me as a consumer. I, it's a fuzzy area, but I think that is a huge um, – the reason I bring all this up to finally get to the point is I think that is a huge risk to Amazon staying on top and to Amazon being uh, too big to fail, like you're yeah. saying. is yeah, That's a good point. Is it a monopoly? It's definitely a good point for sure. And, and one thing that they're so diversified. you know, They're, they're <laughs> just very diversified, but you're right. If you want to just break it in – if you want to simplify Amazon to uh, e-commerce. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that uh, they have. I mean, if they're if they're already going to have fifty percent of the market, and e-commerce is like truly just starting, 
Like e-commerce is going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And if they already have 50%, there's nobody that's going to challenge them. Yeah. So you're right. If you simplify Amazon to e-commerce, then that is surely an area where they have a monopoly. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying is they're so diversified. They're an entertainment company. Yep. They're a logistics company. They are getting into smart homes, consumer electronics. But but again, what you just said, what Elizabeth Warren said, they own the platform. Yeah. They own the platform where everybody makes their purchasing decisions. And yeah. um, I guess I guess that's a you know great threat to bring up. That that could definitely uh, be a major risk. Yeah. And I think I see that that vertical integration as a, a classic example of why they are a monopoly. I think what we if we don't want to simplify it to just e-commerce, what we really can't explain is this crazy diversification. You know, the, the classic examples of monopoly are vertical integration and horizontal in, integration. Vertical is you own the supply chain. Horizontal is you own every piece of one step of the supply chain. So if they owned every e-commerce site out there but nothing else how do you consider a company that is e-commerce and entertainment and has servers that host the internet and has grocery stores you know can you even call that a monopoly if they're just doing everything yeah yeah i mean that's my point is that i don't know what if you broke them up it'd be like 40 again you just have to take the subsidiaries that they've acquired over time and built over time and just break it up into 40 different companies. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact they've been able to connect them all is what makes Amazon so special. And people don't even know that they make a lot of their money, a lot of their profits on Amazon Web Services. Yeah. And if, you, and if the average person doesn't know about technology um, to the point that they, most people don't know what Amazon Web Services even is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it runs most of the applications that they use every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something. There's some crazy percentage, and I should have looked this up before we started recording. But it's like thirty percent, somewhere around that, of the internet is hosted on Amazon Web Services, which is crazy. And there was a couple of years ago where there was a, an error in their code, and a third of the internet just went down. Um, <laughs> to have that kind of consolidation is wild, and it, it just shows you know the power that they have. Yeah. And that's like considered their cash cow. Uh, and you know how much I love recurring revenue models. And then there's Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. You know, people are paying uh, $99 to, I think it's way more than that now. I think it's $120 or something like that a year. And it's 100 million people doing it. Yeah. That's a lot and of money. Way more than 100 million people now have Amazon Prime. Yeah. And that's recurring revenue that they're guaranteed every year. Yeah, and that's, I mean, $120 is nothing to to brush off as a, a small payment. I mean, they have convinced people to give over $120 every year to buy something that encourages them to purchase more. The whole reason for Prime is to get people to want to buy more on Amazon because it's free shipping. It's wild. Yeah. And then all the different services that you get with Amazon Prime uh, feed into the giant machine. I mean, for instance... Uh, Twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. A lot, most people don't use Twitch. I mean, Twitch is mainly for gamers. But when you think about what that will eventually become, is they're just going to start putting advertisement in Twitch that lead people to Amazon.com to order something. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and so 
Yeah, you can do that on Whole Foods, and you know you can obviously, if something is out, order it on Amazon. Um, Alexa can suggest products on Kindle. They they do suggest products. I spent twenty dollars uh, less on my Kindle, but I have an ad on the front screen literally a hundred percent of the time. Um, they they have because they have the platform, they have the space to continue to to upsell as well. Yeah, I mean a lot of ads like television ads. Uh, ads on Facebook, ultimately what they're doing is they're just driving people to Amazon. And now mm-hmm. Amazon's buying all these different channels and uh, audiences, and they're just driving people into their, into their website. Mm-hmm. And they own, they own both platforms. They own Twitch and they own Amazon. And so like, the average consumer you know, doesn't put that together. But once you do and just think about that, I mean, that would be nuts. That's like watching a TV com- commercial and mm-hmm. again, you know, Dove comes on. And then you turn around and order Dove soap from MTV. Yeah. Or if Alexa hears a, a commercial of Dove comes on and then you pull up your phone and it says, do you want to purchase? Well, we've talked about um, the business model and there are different ways that they get revenue and the fact that they're in so many different industries. Um, you know, but, but our thought here is that they are almost too big to fail and they're going to continue being the the biggest and the most powerful company in the in the world so what are a couple strategic moves that you think they need to make to remain on top and then what are a couple risks that you think exist that could knock them off the top yeah i mean the most important thing that they can do uh i think one of the biggest things that uh, is you know underrated and, and people don't think enough about is continue to grow the alexa platform okay uh, Alexa, uh, so voice is supposed to be this the next medium for computing. It's like the the way people interact with computers. You know, it went from uh, PCs to mobile, and now it's going to be voice. Yeah. So you're just going to have uh, this ubiquitous voice around with you everywhere. Now, some for some people it'll be Google, for some people it'll be Siri, and then for other people it's going to be Alexa. You know, a lot of people use all three. I use all three. I've got. Uh, Google Home, I've got an iPhone, and I've got Alexa. And so I think one of the biggest things they can do strategically is to make sure that they uh, continue to stay ahead in voice. Mm-hmm. They got a huge head start with Alexa. Everybody ended up having to follow them. Google and, and Apple are, are certainly catching up. Google has uh, better algorithms and better AI, but Amazon has the footprint, and Amazon has the entire supply chain. So, for instance... Think about this. People are going to start ordering everything they need on on voice. They're going to say, uh, "Hey Alexa, I need a new toothbrush." But if they don't say exactly which one they want, or they don't preset the toothbrush, then brands are going to be paying to be that suggestion. Yeah. That's going to be an ad unit. Yeah, and who knows how much people are going to pay for that? And so, voice just leads to so many more opportunities for Alexa or for Amazon, rather that um, I think they got to make sure that they, they keep that up and that they keep that lead. Uh, or if they don't have the lead, they just need to make sure they have a big enough market share um, that, that consumers you know, keep them top of mind. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people are underestimating voice right now uh, overall. And I know we've talked about this before, but it just came out last week. A third of all U.S. adults have a smart speaker. Um, you know, for most of them, it's the lower level, um, echo dot or the, or the Google dot, whatever that's called. But I mean, they can still do the same thing. And the, the ubiquity of a, of a piece of hardware like that, 
I mean, the only other things are, are probably TVs, cell phones, and computers, uh, pieces of technology that have that that much of a footprint. So it's just going to keep growing, and, and that is such an underrated piece of technology right now. Yeah, and voice assistants, uh, the adoption rate, are mm-hmm. high, it's, it's higher than any other consumer electronics, like a tri- consumer electronic ever. Yeah, oh, it's definitely higher than smartphones. Like, it took smartphones years to to get that kind of adoption. Yeah, and a big piece is the price. You know, they're not that expensive. It's not that expensive to go buy an Alexa. Yeah, and then they're on sale all the time. I mean, you can get an Echo Dot for like 25 bucks pretty often. Yeah, I mean, they're essentially giving it to you for free now. Like, they're, Alexa's, or I keep saying Alexa, Amazon is strategically putting Alexa in as many places as possible. They're putting uh-huh. them in microwaves. They're going to put them in a bunch of cars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be everywhere, and that's what they're trying to do because they understand that, you know, like I said, voice is going to be the next big medium that people are are consuming uh, media and, and using computers. Yep, I see. So that's that's your kind of strategic piece. I think a big another big strategic piece that I can think of is their um, just the continuation of that brick and mortar strategy. Um, I think they need to start using Whole Foods as um, shipping warehouses for the um, for just the e-commerce platform, and I'm sure they have models for that, and they run all those kinds of numbers. Um, continuation of the Amazon Go, and then integration of some kind of loyalty program. So, what the risks on the risk side of this? I actually, before this podcast, didn't really think about that. Uh, them getting broken up by the government. I really do think that's the only yeah. risk they have. Because, for instance, with Amazon, the fact they're so diversified keeps them safe. And uh, what I was about to say is you know, car companies were always thought to never uh, be disrupted, to never – they're one of those things that everybody thought and startups have always failed uh, to disrupt them. But the thing about Amazon is like the cloud – e-commerce, consumer electronics, entertainment. A startup isn't going to come along and build all those pieces. They might just take out one small piece. Somebody might come along and build a better, uh, you know, somehow build a better cloud. I mean, cloud's all about, you know, scale and warehousing and and, um, the, the actual hardware. But let's say somebody comes along and builds a better cloud then they've still got 20 other major businesses to, to feed uh, the whole the whole machine. So I don't think there, anybody's ever going to come along and just disrupt Amazon and just build a better company than Amazon. Or for instance, Apple. The reason I think Apple's at more risk than, than Amazon is somebody could come along and build a device that wasn't on Apple's radar that just changes everything. But with mm-hmm. Amazon, nobody's going to come along and just replace Amazon. They're in too many different places and they've got too much market share in all of those different places and they own the entire supply chain in all those different places. That's that's my argument is that there's very little risk to Amazon's business because they're so big, because they have so many different subsidiaries and they're all feeding each other. They're not making one product in one industry. They're across every industry. 